0: Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. A happy Thanksgiving to everyone. The Seattle Seahawks are 7-3 coming off the Thursday night football win over the Arizona Cardinals. and It's time to look ahead to week 12 of the NFL season. Joining the show to preview the Monday night football matchup between the Seahawks and Philadelphia Eagles. You hear him on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast. He's the co-host of Monday Football Monday and my favorite SB nation NFL podcast, the palpably unfair podcast. I welcome to the show canned cranberry sauce truth or Michael kissed.
1: Yeah. Tell him about the canned cranberry sauce. It's the, it's the, it's the only way to have cranberry sauce. I 100% agree. I appreciate you, uh, plugging all the, all the podcast gentle listener, please go listen to those so I can feed my family. (laughs) Brandon, uh, uh, thank you for having me on, uh, We've talked several times, and uh, I feel like we're both at a very different place than we have been in the past regarding these two teams, and we're going to get into it. Well, the last time these two teams faced, right, it
0: was the playoffs, and we uh, I think there's a lot of Eagles fans that, you know, had this game targeted as maybe like a Jadevian Clowney revenge game, but he ends up going to the Titans, and now the Eagles end up, you know, 3-6-1, but they're
1: competing for the nfc east title and you know this if you if you want to call it if you want to say competing i think that's generous but i think technically you're correct
0: they're in competition for there you go <laughs> I, i've been trying to think of, of all the words when i when i describe the nfc east teams this year because gosh i look over at that division kissed and is five wins going
1: to win this division is is, is six wins going to win the east I think me me, and Benjamin Solak broke this down on the Kiss and Solak reaction show and went through the schedule and I picked every game and I thought it was pretty fair in my picks. We came out to three five-win teams and a four-win team. And it was the because of the tie with the Bengals, because of the, the five, ten, and one for the Eagles, that would give them the edge. I think the odds right now are heavily heavily in favor of a team that is less than seven wins will win the NFC East. So that's kind of like your baseline. That's That's what you can expect from this division. I think personally that the Rams have such a great record against the NFC East that they should just give it to them, (laughs) give it, give it to them. Well, you know, you know, you brought up a good
0: point on one of your shows is that do Eagles fans even want to win the division? I I've been pounding the table ever since the Seahawks went to the playoffs at seven and nine, that absolutely you want your team in the playoffs because magical things can happen. In that seven to nine season, the Seahawks, they they got the home game. We got a win over the the champion New Orleans Saints coming off their Super Bowl win. We had the beast quake, which is one of the greatest plays in Seattle sports history. And I still I it, this is challenging my my thought process of yes. whether or not a, a five or six win team, whether I would want that as a fan.
1: It, I was going to use the same terminology there. It challenges me to think differently because I've always been of the mindset of just get in and see what happens. Because to get in typically, like it, it was such a catastrophic start to this. In the more towards the beginning of the season, I was thinking, okay, if the Eagles get in – Certain things have to fall in place. Certain things have to get right. Carson Wentz has to perform at a certain level. The offensive line, certain good things need to happen there. Maybe Milata develops there at left tackle. He's not even playing now. It's freaking Jason Peters. Maybe a, a wide receiver like Travis Fulgham steps up, which he did for a period before kind of disappearing. The defense has to get right. Certain things would have had to have happened for them to get there. That is not the case if they're a five-win team getting in. I think that really changes your opinion. And also, too, it widens how expensive that becomes from a draft capital perspective. You're no longer talking about eight or nine picks. You're talking like 15-plus picks. And that's really costly for a team that is devoid of talent. Also, outside of the rookie uh, contract window, when you're trying to build a roster, that stuff matters being able to rebuild it they need to start stacking wins with the talent that they can acquire they don't have the money to do it in free agency because of all the money they have tied up through 2021 it has to come in the draft losing that capital is massive so i literally don't know the right answer to that i would rather if it's five wins i would hope someone else has six and the eagles are out that's where i'm at and that's the first time i've ever changed my stance on Do you even want to be in? Because I always have in the past. This season is just so weird and fascinating. While we're on this, and I do want to get into
0: previewing the actual game on Monday night, but um, (laughs) it's it's just fascinating to me. And part of it is because the Seahawks were in a a similar position in uh, that 2010 season. And another reason why is the Seahawks are facing the other three NFC East teams coming up here over the next four weeks. So. I, I am kind of curious of if it's not the Eagles
1: that wins the division. Who do you think it's going to be? Washington seems to have like the 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 best, I guess, momentum mm. going right now. Dallas is starting to look like they're getting it together a little bit if, if Andy Dalton can be serviceable and the defense isn't as catastrophic at a historic pace of allowing points than they were for for a good portion of the season. I think they can make a push, but like Alex Smith is probably the best story of the season with what he's been able to do. I just don't know if they can compile the wins, but a lot of these teams are playing, have the Bengals on their schedule now. And I think that mm. Joe, that that trickle down effect from Joe Burrow being injured to the rest of the NFC East cannot be understated. The Bengals ultimately are like a key swing state in the election <laughs> as crazy as that sounds. So I think, I think you look at Washington. I think you look at, at, at New York, man, I don't know what's going on with them, but like, I, I just think they're I think they're bad, but they are competitive enough to sneak through a couple wins. I don't know, man. Well, they have it's the best so record
0: wide. in the East. I think they have three wins. And I don't I don't think any other East team has that many wins over fellow division rivals
1: Over as division rivals. Yeah, it, it, as far as division wise. I mean, it's wide open, dude. I, it, it, it's it's so tight because everyone's so bad that it literally could be everybody. So it's hard to answer that question.
0: Well, getting into this game between the Seahawks and Eagles. I guess this kind of goes to the season as a whole. And and I ask this question at risk of this turning into a full hour long rant by you. But why are the Eagles talking about moving on from their head coach right now?
1: I don't know if they're necessarily fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The organization, I don't But the funny thing is, I don't know what they're considering it. Why are moving you talking
0: on? about moving on from Doug Peterson? I saw, I saw a tweet from you and that that is what sparked my interest.
1: Yeah, I mean, because I actually do wonder if they're going to try to fix their quarterback, who they're financially tied to, at the very least through 2021. They cannot move on from him. They have to try to fix him. There is no other way. Do they think it's with Doug Peterson, or do they fire a Super Bowl-winning head coach that won it with Nick Foles of all quarterbacks? We've seen what he's been outside of the Eagles that won it with Nick Foles. Is that the decision that you make? That's a Biggie, man, that's a real big and but it does seem with how cantankerous Doug has been with the media. And I don't think he's mad at the media. I think he's getting extreme pressure from ownership to get this thing right. Mm. Like, I do think that he is on the hot seat. And if he can't win the division this year, it says a lot about the direction of the franchise and what's going on with the coaching. The coaching has not been good this year. And I'm normally a, a big Doug Peterson fan and a big proponent. I don't think there are a lot of coaches in the NFL past and present, that can do what he's done at different points in the year, taking 2019, a Carson Wentz that was broken for a portion of the season around the time they played the Seahawks, around the time they played the Patriots, and then turning that around. What he did in 2018 with, again, a broken Carson Wentz literally with his back and making a playoff run with Nick Foles. 2017, we all know what happened, what happened there. How many coaches can do that with a backup quarterback and have that type of success? How many coaches can do that with... The thirty-first most banged up adjusted games lost per football outsiders in two thousand nineteen, and take that team to the playoffs and make a run in the last four weeks. Not many can do it. All that said, this season has been such a disaster, and Laurie has such a desire to win that I, I, I think Laurie might value people like Jason Peters and Carson Wentz over Doug Peterson. I don't. I, I I literally don't know. It's it's and it's fascinating to me.
0: Yeah, this has just been such a tough season for the Eagles because of. I, I look and I, I see so many injuries, and I see—is it an issue of depth, or is this an issue that's entirely with Carson Wentz and his performance this year? Or I'm, I'm sure it has to be a combination of of multiple things. I mean, considering just you know you lose your All-Pro uh, offensive lineman going into this season, and I, I guess you can point to issues with drafting and and not having the wide receivers for. Uh, went to throw to it. it. Just, I guess so many things have gone wrong that it's hard to pin it down to
1: any one particular coach or or player on the team. We're having this discussion right now in the, in the BGN Slack, me and Select are about how to frame this discussion because it's what everybody wants to talk about. Where does the blame go? Who's the biggest problem, right? Those are the big buzzwords and whatnot. I, I think it's more complex than that, obviously. I, I think the way to kind of frame it is you can get away with having a, a bad offensive line. Like I think Miami's offensive line is bad, but the offense that Chan Gailey designed, the offense that Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick have been running, getting the ball out quick and, and so on and so forth, has mitigated that. You can hide a lot of things if you have good to great quarterback play. You cannot hide anything if you have bad quarterback play. So I think as far as what's the what's who's worse. The offensive line might be worse than Carson Wentz. The receivers might be worse than Carson Wentz. But the biggest problem is that Carson Wentz is playing really, really poorly. You cannot hide anything if you don't have good to great quarterback play. Period. You see it with Russell Wilson. When Russell Wilson struggles, what does it look like for the Seahawks? It looks pretty doggone terrible. But when he's great, it hot. he's hidden a lot of bad lines and a lot of different situations for them. So I think you can kind of see where I'm going with that.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, look at the Seahawks defense. I mean, the only reason why they're 7-3 and three is because yes. of Russell Wilson. If you play that kind of defense through the, the first few games of the season, you're not winning any of those games. And so mm-hmm. it, it does cover a lot. And I look at Carson Wentz, and I think the biggest thing that jumped out at me when just looking at some of his statistics when he's not pressured. So under no pressure this season, his TD to INT ratio is 10 to nine.
1: Right. And you look at some of the advanced analytics that I'm scrolling to, to find them because I tweeted them out yesterday uh, from PFF and they're, they're pretty damning because people say, Oh, he's under pressure all the time. And yeah, he is, but there are also quarterbacks that are pressured less than him that are doing much better that have higher metrics than him all across the board. When he is clean, his adjusted completion percentage is 75%. That is 29th, of 30 so even when he's not getting pressured he's just one of the most inaccurate quarterbacks in the league and i think he's fundamentally broken from a mechanic standpoint i don't imagine something in the chain with him broke throughout the process whether it be the acl to the back or a combination of both or mentally with the foals thing and then the Hurts pick something is broken in that chain from his brain to his feet because none of it is clicking for for him right now and like, like i mentioned as far as the problems go he's not trusting anything that he sees, and he's not trusting his wide receivers. We saw a glimpse of what he looks like when he's able to trust a wide receiver. Travis Wogan from weeks four to nine, I think. He looked great. Anticipation throws, all that stuff, and he started to kind of look better, but then he just falls off the cliff again, and and it's mentally with him being slow to read things, not getting to the backside of things, bird-dogging reads. Uh, You'll you'll notice that he just locks on to things. His pocket management has always been kind of bad, it's been worse this year. Navigating a pocket for him is an adventure. Ball security has always been an adventure with him. And it's, and it's showing up this year because he's taking so many sacks. Um, and then just the accuracy down the field has taken a dip accuracy all across the board. And this was something that Brandon Lee Gowton was was reporting heavily during training camp. You know, beyond just like the box score stats, where they keep track of all that, which I, I hate for for training camp. But like he was like Carson's missing a lot of these open guys, and he's missing them high, he's missing them low, he's missing them all over the place. He wasn't pressured then. What was the excuse then? I don't know, and I don't know how to fix it, man. I'm not a quarterbacks coach. I'm not Jordan Palmer. I, I don't know what to, I don't know what to do with that information. And then just that the it seems like Carson Wentz never throws the ball away, but he's actually like top five in throwaways. It's these high-leverage situations where he just won't let a play die, and he makes a dumb throw because he feels like he has to do it all. If he would have just ran the offense against Dallas and taken what was there, they would have scored 30 offensive points. Instead, they score 15 offensive points against the worst defense in the league at the time, and you're in a dogfight with Ben DiNucci, and you need a bad call and a fumble that's returned for a touchdown that should have never happened to separate from them. So like there's to answer the question, what's wrong with Carson Wentz, everything, and I don't know how to fix it.
0: Well, Kist, I think there are some other questions, though, with Wentz that I want to get to coming up, and it's because the Seahawks defense has made a lot of quarterbacks look good. I want to talk more about that coming up next. To Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation and the Seattle Seahawks, they've made a lot of quarterbacks look good this season. The you know it's it's been well noted just the kind of pace that the Seahawks secondary is on. And before the break, Kist, we were talking about Carson Wentz. Wouldn't you know if he would just take what was there, like you mentioned against the Cowboys, for instance? Then they would have been in a lot better position. And I feel like that's how this Seahawks defense operates. It plays off of so many wide receivers, just allowing. Uh, a quarterback who is patient to take what's in front of him and move down the field and and move the ball efficiently. It's frustrating to watch as a Seahawks fan. And I'm kind of curious if you think that going into this game now, that's something that Wentz is going to be able to take advantage
1: of. I mean, I think we've, we've seen him against the the Seahawks before and I didn't think their defense was all that last year either. And uh, he was not able to take advantage. Obviously he was, he was, he was lacking some weapons there, but even in the beginning of the playoff game, I wasn't, it wasn't real great. And yeah, Seattle has like really been leaky. I think they're 27th in DVOA uh pass defense. So if you are going to to beat a team like that, you you can do it through the air. But I mean, the Eagles played the New York Giants pass defense that's 29th. You know, they played the the Dallas pass defense that that was just as bad at the time. They're 22nd now, but they were worse at the time. And Carson Wentz was not able to take advantage. I think the best thing you get from this is the fact that Seattle has a real issue creating pressure now can the Eagles offensive line make that defensive line look a little bit better to where you're feeling better as a Seahawks fan moving forward probably a little bit you know Carlos Dunlap comes up with that that clutch sack at, at the end of the of uh, the game against Kyler Murray there and he's that, changed uh,
0: this team in terms of, of pressure rates over the last yes. three four weeks so I I do I'm, I'm a little bit more optimistic on that but I I still don't know about the the back end of the defense
1: yeah right. and and but the problem is you know can, are the Eagles dialing up shot plays that can really make a difference right like i don't care about the the five the five to seven yard stuff that you give up maybe you give up a 10 yard gain here or there seattle's going to do that the eagles aren't going to be be able to execute those consistently enough to really hurt you and make you pay for that so i mean if you're seattle you probably try to keep everything in front and say hey can you execute for 10 to 12 plays you know we're going to just going to sit in this shell we're going to give you everything you want underneath It's up to Carson Wentz to get to the right reads and get rid of the ball quickly. Can you do it? I don't think he can. Like, you don't need to blitz this guy. You don't. And the pressure will come because he's holding on to the ball, I think, at the second longest rate of uh, any other quarterback in the league. So as far as, like, can Carson Wentz make this play? What's the game plan for Seattle? Try to make Carson be a functional, you know, intermediate to shallow quarterback. Take away the deep shots. because And and the Eagles have been terrible at dialing up deep shots. And when they do, it just seems like it's really forced. So I don't think there's anything really to be scared of, and I think Seattle's defense is going to end up looking pretty good after this one.
0: Nothing to be scared of, kissed. You've watched the Seahawks; these always <laughs> come down to close games. It doesn't matter if it's a bad team or a good team; it's a it's a close game regardless. So, what is it going to be in this game that that makes it close? Because I I just have to think that this, you know, as much as this seems like it it could be a blowout for the Seahawks, I see how they approach the game plan versus Josh Allen, and they. You know, as much as I would think that the Eagles would try and run the football to try and get Carson Wentz right, that's something that Buffalo didn't go away from. And I know Doug Peterson is a good coach, so it wouldn't shock me if he just even abandoned the run and, and tried to, you know, see what Carson Wentz could do throwing the
1: football, for, you know, 90% of the time in the first half. Yeah, Buffalo opened up and said, we're just not going to run the ball. Man. Yeah, we know exactly where to attack this defense. Why, why
0: would we run the ball against a good run
1: defense? Right. And that's the thing. For the Eagles to be on schedule and whatnot, they need to get their running game going. They need to take the ball out of Carson's hands. You will never hear me say that for, for the most part because I am pass first all the way. I am, you know number one, let Russ cook, like all, all, all that stuff, right? I believe in the passing game. that's how you score, that's how you win games, that's how you win championships. The passing game is so bad for the Eagles, you have to be able to, and I hate to say this, establish, establish the run. You have to do it. I hate saying that so much, but they have to have success in the run game to keep them on schedule. They're finding themselves in so many third and long situations, and if Seattle can get them into that, if they can be stout on early downs, and I think they can against the run, they're going to have a field day going after Carson Wentz, and they're going to create some turnovers off of it because he's going to want to go for everything on third and long. This third down offense for the Eagles has, has just fallen off. This used to be third and whence even when things were going bad we could at least you know convert a third and 11 pretty consistently at a higher rate than the rest of the league that's not t- that's not happening this year so i do think the eagles need to run the ball and show that they can if they can't well man just pass 50 times screw it see what happens throw up some yolo balls hopefully you get some pass interference call right just go, go for the joe flacco strategy just toss one up and see if you get a flag man well we've spent a
0: lot of time talking about offense for the eagles uh, for for those of us who don't watch the eagles like me uh i'm looking at the stats (laughs) (laughs) i'm looking at the stats for this defense going into the game and i see that the eagles are top six in yards allowed per game for passing yards Uh, but then i look at pff and i see that the them suggesting that maybe the eagles corners aren't good so what's going
1: on here okay so yards happen because you have a a long way to go on a drive (laughs) the the eagles are are 32nd in allowing in their in their you know resulting their their possession before use flip sides they're 32nd in allowing short field so wow we're giving you the ball right yeah in our territory more than anybody else so yeah the yard stat looks nice but there's some definite context needed there you mentioned the corners and, and we can break it down there there is one player in that secondary that can consistently cover it is Darius Slay. Yeah. Teams know this. Teams typically stay away from him. Slay has given up a couple things, but teams typically stay away from him. He's been pretty good this year. On the outside, on the outside, on the other side, you have a, a five nine Avante Maddox with thirty, with I think twenty nine inch arms, <laughs> who played bad in the slot last year, so they decided to promote him to outside cornerback. And then, with the injuries that they have, they only have four healthy on the roster right now because Craven LeBlanc goes down. They convert Jalen Mills to safety because Schwartz loves him so much despite him being one of the worst cornerbacks in the league. That They need to keep him on the roster and find an excuse to keep him on the roster. They move him to safety where he's been terrible. And they need to plug him in at the corner because of injuries because they don't have the guys. They have Darius Slay. They have five nickel corners masquerading as outside corners. They have Nickel Roby Coleman. They brought in is having the worst year of his career. I don't know what happens to quarters when they get into the system. And then you have Jalen Mills trying to trying to match up with guys like DK Metcalf is going to destroy this team. And Eagles Twitter is going to be on fire because the Eagles took J.J. Arthegil Whiteside <laughs> before DK Metcalf. I can I can see it now. And who's going to cover Tyler Lockett? Even if you shadow Slay and DK Metcalf still has like you know six catches for 90 yards, right? And a touchdown, like that's, for me, that's great for limiting DK. Uh-huh. But then like Lockett's going to have like 150 yards on 11 receptions, just go like completely bonkers. And then, I mean, you talk about the support. The linebackers can't cover anybody. They are clueless. They are the worst coverage. I, I'm not even just coverage. The worst linebacking unit in the league, period, bar none. Give them play action. They freeze. They just go to pieces. Like, is that allowed? Can you fake a handoff and then throw it? Like, it's it's a, it's a totally foreign concept to them. The Eagles linebackers are so fast to flow against the run, and Jim Schwartz wants to get plus one in the box against everything. Play action just destroys them, and Seattle is fantastic at it. So there you go.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of hate you right now for building up this, <laughs> just making it look like it should be just a, a blowout-type game. And maybe it It'll will go be. I don't know. Time. Maybe we'll actually get one. But, I mean, I even go back to that game last year and, you know, I I thought that that was going to be kind of an easy win, but it was a 17 to 9 victory in the playoffs. Yes, we had a huge game from DK Metcalf. I think he set the rookie record, seven catches, 160 yards and a touchdown. I want to expect that in this game, but... I just I I don't know. And, and plus the Seahawks, you know, they've now moved to this more balanced attack, which I think they could use against the Eagles, because I, I don't know if the rushing defense has been all that good. You got you have some
1: really solid
0: players on that defensive line still.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the Eagles rush run defense can still get it done. The problem is and when you watch the game, see if you notice this plays against the run for the Eagles are either happening at the line of scrimmage around the line of scrimmage, roughly, or they're happening 10 yards down the field. Again, it's because the linebackers are awful. The Eagles' defensive line is trained just to be, we don't care about gap integrity. We don't care about anything. We want those guys upfield, disrupting. Try to blow things up, try to throw off the rhythm of the run game, and then guys will come in and clean it up. Well, the linebackers can't tackle, so that's a problem. They can't read anything. That's a problem. But, you know, Brandon Graham is playing at an elite level, right? So he could have a big game. Right? Fletcher Cox is going to give you two to three elite plays. Like, right, against Wyatt Teller. Wyatt Teller, by the way, best guard in the league this year, in my opinion. Fletcher Cox put him on skates and knocked one out. A big play to keep the Eagles in that game. Wyatt Teller responded by obliterating literally everything in sight after that. But regardless of that, you're going to get a couple big plays from Fletch. Uh, Josh Sweat is coming on as a run defender and a pass defender. He had his best game in both areas last game. Uh, Derek Barnett is just your solid average starter. And that would be okay if he wasn't a first round pick. But that's a conversation for another show. So I do think the Eagles defensive line, it, it, it always comes down to this for them. If they're in the game, it's because their defensive line dominated the game. So if that if, if there is a path to this game going to weirdly going to overtime, weirdly being close, it's because the Eagles defensive line is able to do enough to disrupt the offense, disrupt Russ, get him, get him in a funk for for a quarter, a couple quarters and keep this thing kind of close to where a couple weird bounces of the ball, you know, keeps the Eagles in the game. That's the that's the only hope there. So if you're looking for a way, I think that's the way.
0: Well, and it would have to be against what's been the Seahawks best offensive line since Russell Wilson's been a quarterback right? from what I've seen.
1: Yeah, I agree. They're they're playing much better, and and that has allowed Russ to to really uh, uh, have some have some great games. And also, too, I think it looks like a close game if we see Russ pressing again. And I think Russ Russ was pressing against Buffalo, and I mean, we've seen Wentz do that in the past. I, I'm very familiar with what that looks like. You know, the hero ball type stuff. And Russ is magical at times. And even in that game, right, the th- the incompletion to Lockett in the in the back left corner of the end zone, where Lockett had to dive and it just pinged off his hands. Or he's just fading off of it and chucking one up like that was one of the best incompletions I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. So even if Russ is struggling and pressing, he's still going to have those magical moments, and they can still beat the Eagles' secondary that way.
0: Yeah, no, you see that connection more than you don't. Uh, right. You know, that's it was unusual for that to be incomplete. But yep. um, you know, the other thing that this could turn on though, Kist, is turnovers. And I know that the Eagles are, if they're not the worst in the league, they're among the worst. But does that mean that maybe the the Eagles are due for some
1: good fumble luck rather than? uh the bad kind i'm i'm hoping for regression just not because fumbles are a lot of luck but like the eagles fumbles don't seem like it so you know carson wentz i mentioned you know his ball protection is terrible his handling of the ball in the pocket you know he he was on gruden's qb camp and they were talking about two-handed monster two-handed monster you want to be a two-handed monster he's never been a two-handed monster the guy is straight up lying about that um so I, I think that's not just necessarily luck. That's just poor form. That's poor technique. Um, for the Eagles' defense, I will say this: uh, and, and Russ can kind of get a little bit wild with the ball at times when he's maneuvering, but still, he he is he does keep two way of the ball, you know, uh, to a respectable degree. Jim Schwartz mentioned this in his presser, and it and it, and it showed up in that Fletcher Cox sack uh, of um of Baker, where the ball came out. He specifically mentioned in a presser the week before he goes, they tracked the number of times their defensive lineman or, or one of their guys gets their hand on the ball or the arm mm. of the quarterback while they're still you know in the pocket or moving around. That is a huge focus for them. So that if something is going to cause a turnover for them, it's going to be that because it's not interceptions. That, I mean, they have zero ball production when it comes to the ball being in there. They have no idea what to do with it. Again, just like play action. Are we allowed to touch the ball while it's in the air? <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out. Only slight knows, really but that's because he came from somewhere else. But yeah, I would say look for the Eagles trying to get a hand on the ball in the pocket and look for if Russ has two hands on the ball when he's moving around.
0: He's Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation. Kist, I really want to thank you for coming on the show and always looking forward to these chats. I know I, I feel like we play each other at least once a year now for for whatever reason. It, it's uh, it, yeah. it's We have this kind of rivalry going and uh, I appreciate you coming on every time.
1: Absolutely, brother. By the way, I've got it. Let's 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 call it 27 to 13 Seahawks, but it's super close for no reason for like three and a half quarters.
0: <laughs> no, you know that you know that if it's that far apart, that there's going to be some great drive by Carson Wentz in the final three minutes to to put it He's within fat. a touchdown. You know, that's going right. to
1: happen. Yep. And it will get false hope in Philadelphia and everything will be great. We're going through the playoffs and then we'll just get crushed the next week.
0: <laughs> oh, way to end it on a high note. Mm-hmm.
1: Appreciate it. No problem, man. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it.
0: And if you're not already, be sure you're subscribed to the SB Nation NFL show. Catch Kissed on Monday and Wednesday in your podcast feed on both of those shows. And be sure and check out what is up at FieldGoals.com. Alistair Corp has the article. Shaquille Griffin, Chris Carson, and Ethan Posick all set to return to practice this week. Should be ready for Monday night against the Philadelphia Eagles. And he also has an article up of Marshawn Lynch handing out turkeys in Hawaii. Definitely worth checking out. And check out Tyler Alson's article as he ranks all 13 of the Seahawks new players for 2020. Taking a look at them with the extra long week and going into the Thanksgiving weekend. Check that out. Subscribe to this show, sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts. And I will be back here probably once again before Monday night when we do the recap show. And until then, go Hawks.